Welcome, you're listening to the studio interviews on the Radio Star Network. I'm your host, Diana Brown, and as always, making everything sound pretty is our engineer and producer, Dan Wilson. Today, we are in Z Space in San Francisco at the Z Below for a performance of a brand new play. Now, our guest today is the playwright, and he is, among many other things, Theater Communications Group's most produced playwright of the 2009-2010 season. His work has been commissioned by South Coast Rep and American Conservatory Theater, among others. His play, Boom, enjoyed 16 productions across the country in one season. He received the ATCA Steinberg New Play Award in 2007 for his play, Hunter Gatherers. Presently, he's the Mellon Foundation Playwright-in-Residence at Z-Spate in San Francisco. He is Peter Sin-Noctreeb. Welcome. Oh, thanks, Diana. It's <laughs> so good to be here. <laughs> it's great. And we're sitting in the theater where yes. your play actually will happen within... In about an hour, In I about think, an right? hour. Yeah. And so actually, while we're talking, they're going to be doing their fight call. So they'll be doing the dramatic conclusion of the play with stabbings and all Excellent. sorts of so stuff. So while you're listening, you will actually get to hear the finish before we even begin. Yes. Now, we invited you on the show, Peter, to talk about your play, and it is called The Totalitarians. Yes, it is. It's a dark comedy. Yes. And this is billed as a raucous dark comedy that takes on modern political discourse and modern relationships. The DC Metro Weekly called it deeply funny and a scathing take on 21st century American politics and culture. So I understand that in this play you wanted to explore the meaninglessness of political language. Will you talk about that? Yeah. Um, th that's kind of where the play started. It, I think I, I started writing it about a little over three years ago. And uh, it was sort of in the midst of some sort of primary or another and kind of noticing a, a sort of frustration with, with the language of politics these days and how essentially it means nothing. <laughs> People can sort of say these phrases and they sound meaningful and are filled with passion and they can make people rise and cheer, but then you kind of take a step back and look at what the speech was actually, what the words in the speech were and, and what the hell did they mean. <laughs> So um, that was kind of the initial hitting point or the starting point was to write about that as well as um, lying and <laughs> and lying to and and believing things without facts. So that was sort of a question. Why? Why are we able to sort of believe something without any sort of factual basis? And why are we willing to do that? I, don't, I think it just makes us feel better. <laughs> I think you're right. Like you kind of people kind of co collect their. Oh hi! Oh, the male actors just walked in. It's very exciting. Ooh, the male actors, I'm oh, very excited. Oh, and they're to watch hugging. And they're hugging. Look at that! They're hugging. Um, See, they actually yes. like each other. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so it's kind of the idea that people collect sort of facts that support their beliefs, as opposed to sort of taking a, an empirical look at the world and then letting that inform their worldview. I think people are now curating their facts to match their lifestyle and their Facebook posts. yes yes exactly <laughs> I know it's it's actually amazing how much of Facebook posts you can you can really skew what really is happening oh I know some people you look on and you think their lives are perfect they're having a, everyone's having an amazing time with Super like 10 amazing. friends with lots of exclamation <laughs> points yes, and they just had a great dinner and, and they show pictures of it yes and then they're all they're just having so much fun now this is a total sidebar but don't you hate it when people post pictures of their food and it's all beige yeah, not unless there's a unless that's really the intent. Like they're like, look at this, look how beige this is. Look how beige this is. <laughs> this is more beige than Des Moines. Yes. So now I understand the play isn't really just making fun of Republicans or Democrats, but that you're having fun with both sides of the aisle. Yeah, I tried to 
make the candidate Penelope Easter, who's at the center of the play. She is a dynamic, uh, watchable sort of train wreck of a, of a candidate. <laughs> um, and I tried to sort of pull away specific ideology from her as much as possible. So you, that you don't get sort of sidetracked while watching the play by think, is this a, are we making fun of Republicans or making fun of Democrats? It's making fun of politicians. And uh, and not and, only though are you talking about politicians in yeah. the po- political world, but it's also a study of um, our relationships. Yeah. So the this couple gets pulled apart by what they believe about this candidate, and one of them actually works for the candidate, and it's kind of how that sort of whether it's dishonesty and um, kind of seeps when that seeps into relationships, how poisonous that can get, and and when you start sort of holding firm like people do in their political points of view but in your in your personal relationships how that can lead to some really bad things <laughs> <laughs> which is just grist for yes, your mill yes, but things yeah so things get a little out of hand Ooh, good. um in the play and the couple this couple there's a married couple at the center of it and they get pulled apart by what they believe and it and it takes them to pretty extreme places by the end of the play which you are known for going to. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Now, this place had quite a journey. Um, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it began as a commission by the National New Play Network through the New Dramatist Full Stage USA Initiative. Yes. Just so saying it just that, rolls off the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> trippingly, I might yeah. add. So explain that a little bit. Yeah. So I'm a member of New Dramatist, which is a playwrights residency organization based out of New York. And mm-hmm. um, I have a seven-year residency there and any time uh and they're they they roll through so there's 50 playwrights at any time that have this wonderful residency so they got a grant to commission plays Incredible. and then they don't produce the plays themselves they just develop them okay so then then they found partners to work with to towards producing the play which was the national new play network which is actually a group of about 26 theaters around the country that all like doing new plays and try to work together to get three productions of the same play done of a, of a premiere within a calendar year. So a playwright can really have a chance to work on it, see on its feet and see three very different productions of their own piece. And cause it's really hard after that first show to get the second show. So this kind of tries to go beyond that and find a, an opportunity to let a playwright have three productions to really, cause there's always so much work you have to do after that first production. Of cause course. you're just learning about, what the hell the play is. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is part of the Continued Life of New Plays Fund. Is that correct? Yeah. So so the commission initially came with money for me okay. and also money towards the for the theaters to help produce it. That's so, amazing. So you're basically enhancing your own production in a way. So they... Um, so each of these three theaters, starting with Southern Rep in New Orleans, was mm-hmm. the first play place that did it. And then uh, Woolly Mammoth did it in um, June. Sorry, May, May or June, June. June. <laughs> it's a blur. It's been a year. It's been a blur. And then, and then Z Space was the third, the third spot. Now, the director who is with you at Z Space and who also directed your uh, Southern Rep production in New Orleans, yeah, also directed the reading of it. Is that correct? Yeah. So he was. He's actually been the director since the very first workshop three years ago. That's amazing. Um, and did all the workshops. Um, directed the first production. He did not direct the second one. And then came back to, to do this one. So, um, and he's his name is Ken Preston Inzi, and um, he's someone I've worked with many, actually a bunch of times. Um, he directed your play uh, TIC, correct? Yeah, so he did TIC, was the last one he did here. That and was produced by Encore, which is also Lisa Steindler. Correct, um, so, so that's the connection <clears throat> there and with Z Space. Yeah, yeah. 
full circle. You actually had an internship with ZSpace. I'm sorry, a residency with ZSpace when you were doing your graduate work. Is that correct? Yeah, they inv invited me here for this Turnisall playwright residency. And this was before ZSpace actually had a performance space. They were just offices Okay. Um, down on 10th Street. And um, so it was, it was a thousand bucks and just an invitation to go, go there and work as much as we wanted to work on a piece. So I, I ended up, and then even after that year, I just ended up going there. There was two rehearsal rooms and a conference room. And if it was not being used, I would go in there and, and just work. So it was your home. Yeah, I was able to, because like, I was able to commute, which was nice, you know, to leave leave my Talk house. Talk about that a little bit, because as a writer, I would think I having somewhere to go helps with that discipline. Yeah, I get really distracted at home by <laughs> chores, television, um, th websites that you can view privately. <laughs> that you can't view when you're I somewhere else. I wonder what that's about. <laughs> but so, we won't go too yeah, deep into that. If I'm like really into it, I can I can work at home, no problem. But it, when I'm trying to just write something new, it's like that. It's just hard for me to get focused. Our there. engineer Dan is nodding He's because nodding this, you all know he is also a playwright yeah. and is experiencing many of the things Peter yes. is is talking Man, about right thank now. Thank God there wasn't porn when I was in college because I wouldn't. <laughs> Of accomplished You probably anything. wouldn't have like gotten out of college. Is that what you're would saying? Have asked me to leave, probably. <laughs> or maybe we would have found discovered new things about each other. I don't know. You I don't know what went happens to with Brown, them. correct? Yes, yes, I did. And um, the lack of porn. Uh, obviously, you did very well. And yeah, yeah, it was good. It yeah, it was okay. Good. Yeah. And then you and you kind of started uh, exploring writing a little more fully with some fellow Brown graduates here in the Bay Area. Yeah, with Killing My Lobster, the sketch right. comedy group. So I was writing for a sketch comedy group at Brown, and then a lot of those guys graduated and moved here a year before I moved here and started the company. And uh, so when I moved out, I, I hooked up with them and started performing and writing for them. And then they ended up producing a, uh, one of the first uh, one acts that I, that I did out here and also did Hunter Gatherers. They produced that. Now, so. one of the interesting things about Hunter Gatherers and the play, uh, Total The Totalitarians, two of your actors were in Hunter Gatherers, correct? Liam Vincent? Yeah, so Liam Vincent was in the Bay Area Playwrights Festival reading of it. And then, and then Alexis Lezen was in the original cast. And then Liam came in and actually, because that show ran for three months, ended up coming in and, and playing, reprising his role that he did at the Playwrights Festival. So oh, that's fabulous. they were both in it. And then Liam was also in TIC. Um, and Jamie Jones, who's actually a, uh, lives in Sacramento, has been in a play of mine up there. So she, and I'd met her before. And, oh, and that's terrific. So, it, um, so three of the four had been in a play I'd written before, which is kind of nice. So do but, you find yourself writing with... Hey, hi, Andrew. I just waved at an actor. Just to, okay, now, tell okay. us, uh, <laughs> our folks can't see, but we'll try to post some pictures to go with this interview. Yeah. Tell us about uh, the character he's playing in The Totalitarians. Andrew is playing Ben, the the uh, young revolutionary um, who seeks to save the world is basically his mission. And actually save Nebraska, more more specifically, <laughs> from, <laughs> from the candidate. And uh, so the the... Uh, Jeffrey, the doctor, becomes develops a relationship with uh, Ben. There, he's also Ben is also dying of cancer, um, but doesn't know. <laughs> so, and then I left. <laughs> and then Peter laughed yes, after he said yes. the word cancer. Yes, no, he's a good man. Uh, yeah. Peter Doctor is a good is man. Really awesome and has incredible stealth moves. That, We're uh, going to be watching for those be, stealth yes, moves. Yes, so you're, gonna watch, you're watching the show tonight. I right? am. Okay, I can't good, wait. Good. And um, it's going to be running for a while before the end of the interview. We will definitely <laughs> tell you um, about how to get tickets and how long yeah. you have to see it. Peter, um, yes. 
you gathered so many reviews for your play in DC. I mean, there were five reviews yeah. posted. That's yeah. insane for a show to get that many reviews. It's a great theater town. DC um, yeah. is an amazing theater town. Yeah, I mean, it's a really, there's a bunch of like mid-sized theater companies of and course. a lot of working actors. And, and of course, Wooly Mammoth is there. I mean, yeah, Wooly Mammoth is sort of right in the heart of that. Like it's a, I think it's almost 300 seat theater. And there's quite a number of those there. And then there's there's actually a number of like crit critics, like much, much more than here. That's kind of um, why I'm bringing it up. Yeah. So like right, so far we've we had a Chronicle review and then um, we just got Bay Area Reporter came out today, two weeks into our run. So which is another rave. So that's great. Of course but it is. <laughs> I have to share yeah. for those who haven't read um, the uh, Chronicle review, our very own Rob Hurwitt had this to say about your play. Noctreeb's mastery of plentiful, surefire, unexpected punchlines and circuitous plot twist is on full display. He's totally right. He's <laughs> what I love most about you full is, display. is that you are just so like open yeah. and let us right into your world. <laughs> now, in the play Misery, uh, she makes the mistake of asking uh, Paul, I believe the last name is Sheldon, where his ideas come from. So being that that was probably the most cliche thing you can ask a, a writer, where their ideas come from, I have to ask you right now. Where did your idea for this play come from? This, I mean, this came out of frustration, I think. I mean, right, of, truly. of the political landscape. I think there's some personal stuff and some of the relationship issues that come out. Um, but then I like to push those to sort of um, newer newer levels and kind of extreme levels and be playful with it and not that seems to be a trademark of go beyond naturalism and and realism and and, is that playful outrageousness i've always loved comedy and um everything i write is generally funny ish um but usually about something and uh but so that has always been my sort of attack on questions i usually start with a question so for this one was like as a how can I think one of the questions was how can two people believe different things about the same thing was one of the triggering questions. Oh, that's wonderful. Of, of this play. And then, and then why is it so easy to believe things without facts was another sort of launching question. So trying to find something that's kind of a hard to answer question is some, is a good place for me to start. And then, and then jumping into characters. And I think this play started with an opening scene um, between on the bed with a, t- with a couple where she's writing a speech. She's trying to write write this politician's speech. And that's sort of how I started writing the play. So That's a great um, beginning. Yes. And then knowing that that character, the Canada character was there lurking, <laughs> lurking about that. So, just waiting yeah, to talk. Yes, exactly. Um, a lot of my playwright friends say that the characters literally just start talking to them and you just have to kind of catch They do. At some up. point they start becoming, they have their own rules and behavior and you start trying to serve them as opposed to, I mean, I, I, mean, I fail a lot, but trying to write like, jokes that actually come out of a character as opposed to from me like if you feel like a joke is layered on by the writer you can kind of tell and i've done i sometimes i can't help myself but you just like have trying to, to keep it, it rooted in character is really i think important well i don't think you have any trouble doing that considering the rave reviews that you receive all over the country i want to go back for a second and talk about your play that um had let's see 16 was it 16 productions boom Boom. Yeah. No, and he's not just saying boom because he had 16 <laughs> productions. That actually was the uh, the title of the play. So yeah. share a bit about that for us. Um, that is a play that's about a blind date um, <laughs> between 
a gay marine biologist and a female straight journalism student in a suspiciously well-stocked subterranean research lab right before a comet hits the planet Earth. Um, so Talk they, about high stakes. Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> the scientist wants wants to is brought this lured this woman through a Craigslist ad into his into his lab um, for the purposes of seeking taking refuge there for two years. Um, and then um, repopulating the planet. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, so, and we think it's uh, worrisome to talk about whether yeah. or not you want kids on the first date, but this guy's so, like, hey, yeah. you will have my children. So, so they encounter obstacles I would think. along the way. And then there's a third character named Barbara, um, who is sort of a natural history museum docent, who is kind of manipulating the story and actually comments on the story. And you're sort of watching basically an origin story or a creation story. That's amazing. So it's about creation myths and evolution. And um, have you been to the Creation Museum? No, but I've, I've been to their website. Ooh, that alone <laughs> was exciting enough I for was, you. I wish I could go. I want to go. I know. I want to go too. Yeah. I want to see the the t- the giant dinosaur next to the tiny man. Yes, existed yes. at the same time yes. apparently. And to anyone who I've insulted by commenting on your beliefs about the origins of Earth, I'm sorry. We just. Different. You don't have to apologize for that one. That one's that one's pretty <laughs> out there. Well, there is that. I will say there is that. All right, I'm taking it back. I'm not apologizing. Dan, should I apologize? He's nodding. No. He's shaking his head. No. All right. If Dan says, then that is the way it's going to be. And that is just that. All right. Now, I want to go to the fact that um, you've been commissioned to do a lot of different things. And one of your commissions was a play called Litter. Yeah. Tell us about Litter. That was so that was for ACT's conservatory. And um, I was writing. They asked me to write a play for their one of their classes of actors, MFA actors. So there's 12 of them. Um, and so I had a summer to think about it. And the first thing that came to my mind was about was multiple births and <laughs> that they were all dodecatuplets and, uh, um, and that that is sort of, sort of a metaphor for being in graduate school with 11 other people that you're all sort of siblings and yet you don't really understand one another. And that became, <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of stuck with each other. And, and was uh, this a musical? They had two songs in it. That's right. It was a yeah. play with music. Yeah. So they, the, the dodecatuplets were, um, by this corporation that raised them because their birth mother died while giving birth to 12 of them. Um, they were forced to sing this hit song about called Family um, oh since word. they were nine and they're still doing it in their, in their mid-20s and it's sad. So we, we meet them at this, at this and time. Hilarious. Yeah. So, but it started, I mean, it really did start with a lot of just acting workshops with the actors and doing improvs and getting a sense of who they were and I developed the characters of who they were like what roles do they play in their in the sibling structure of the family and then it was actually really hard to write um trying to, to weave it into a story and into a narrative and um i think i partially succeeded <laughs> partially. <laughs> this was a fun play the songs were were definitely the best part of the and show and that experience led you to collaborating on a musical that yes you're currently working the guy on. so yeah the guy who composed the music was someone who lives in new york named nico sakalakos and we had so much fun working together that we decided to work on a full-length musical so we're we've been working on for the last few years on that and uh that's it's been really fun i know it's and in the works so you don't want to talk about it too much will you share the title yeah, it's called fall springs a musical disaster it's a natural <laughs> disaster musical about a town sinking into the ground and no one does anything to stop it so 
it's it's a uh, because they're they're fracking for essential oils underneath the, the town, creating okay. sinkholes. Okay. Um. So it, at the end, the second half of the play is kind of like. I don't know, like Dante's Peaks meets Poseidon Adventure, where you just have a bunch of people trying to make it out alive. <laughs> oh, this is great. So, This is great. All right. I want to ask you about one more of your, uh, your plays, and it's, uh, it's about uh, marriage. It's about wedding vows. Oh my! The really short one. The really the short one. It's yeah, written yeah. with five characters. Yeah. They all have numbers. Yeah. And they each say one line at a time. Yeah. So there was. Um, it's a fascinating play. There was a a marriage equality plays evening that was organized by Tom Bruett, a local theater guy, okay. and they asked me. He asked me to write one, a short play about about marriage equality, and uh, and that was that was sort of the play that I wrote, which is it's. Um, yeah, I think there's eight people in it, and it's and you're not really sure if they're who they're doing their vows, marriage vows to, and it was trying to sort of be as honest and diverse in uh, <laughs> approaching why people get married, from the good decisions to the irrational decisions to people having difficulty with it, and and especially in terms of gay marriage, where where people have forged long partnerships with others. Um, without it and then so what's the motivation to to actually get it? married so there there's people and there are people that are getting married in that this was before the, i think the supreme court decision too right. and it was a fundraiser for the for the legal team that was behind uh, overturning prop eight that's fantastic so yeah and so a very high profile event it was fun yeah it was done they did it at, uh um um oh my god theater sports Yes, the Bayfront yes, Theater. Yes, the Bayfront Theater. Right on. And it was really fun. So they they even did an improv marriage equality play. Oh, that's as perfect. part of the evening. It was pretty. It was great. Excellent. So. Well, may I ask you where you sit on the getting married, not getting married thing? <laughs> I don't know. Well, wait, we have to wait and see if it turns up. In a I have. Play. A, I've been with my partner Mark for almost fourteen years, and that's pretty serious. And and we're not. Um, chomping at the bit to get married at right. this point You're i think at this plays. point i think at this point we should just elope you totally should elope <laughs> elope or and maybe, then or maybe if we get to a larger house and we can register or <laughs> we need the reason we need to be validated by our friends then maybe maybe but i, I love we hit a low point i loved in your play <laughs> one of the characters says i we have so many people here we're gonna get some great <laughs> gifts <laughs> yeah well, let's be honest. It's not one of the main reasons you do all of that. My gosh, getting married—I mean, it's like producing a show. It is. It's and a, a big show, show. Sometimes runs yeah, longer. Yeah. So. And I've been actually I've been to three gay weddings um, this year, and they were all pretty fun. I actually officiated one of them. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was so much fun. Did you get your um, your license to officiate on the, the internet? The Universal Life Church. I, am, I too I am, am an ordained, irreverent. Ordained by email confirmation. Uh, I did it. So oh, is Dan, oh, good, good. and I did it when you had to good. mail in, and they, you could call yourself pretty much whatever you want. Yeah. But you like the more you pay, the higher your, um, like you can be a bishop if you pay a lot oh. more money. I just went for the you know bottom of the barrel. The, yeah, I just want their name in the register. Exactly. That's what I want. So yeah. you just sign the marriage license. It's legal. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so. Well, Peter, I have so enjoyed talking with you. Oh, it's been great to talk with you. Before I we let should do you shows go, together sometime. Oh my God, that would be <laughs> what can I say? The best show ever. It would be amazing. Yes. 
Well, we are here in Z Below at Z Space in San Francisco talking with Peterson Nachtrieb, and we are talking about his play, The Totalitarians. Tell us how much longer your play is running, Peter. It's running for two more weeks till Sunday, December 14th. And if people want to get tickets, and you do, where should, do they go? They should go to zspace.org. That's Z, the, the letter, space.org. And that's that's a word as well. As opposed to the space bar. <laughs> yeah, not a space bar. Yeah, zspace.org. And if they want to know more about you, and frankly, who doesn't, where should they go? They can go They can go to peternoctrebe.com because I have a website because I'm that kind of person. <laughs> you have a great website. <laughs> I love, uh, do check out his website and click on the link, what I do when I find out one of my plays is being produced. Yes. That actually was very popular among news forums in the in the early 2000s. Really? As a gif. Like I was looking at my web stats and all of a sudden like... This picture of me dancing was like all over the all over the web. It was like a little animated <laughs> GIF. It's, it's worth checking yes, out. I'm yeah. telling I look you, very youthful. In it. I don't have those moves anymore. You I'm do f- look very youthful, but you still look very youthful, and you're yes. sporting a nice haircut. Thanks. Thank you very much. So, what is next for you beyond your musical? Um, I'm working on a play for Danny Shay, a local actor. He's wonderful. It's commissioned for Z Space, which is going to be a house tour. This play will be a house tour. Um, and then now I'm, explain what that means. It's going to be his name is he's going to uh, Danny will play a tour guide named Weston Ludlow Londonderry, um, <laughs> who's going to give you a tour of a of a family brought down by scandal. Now in the yes. background, you are hearing the actors yes, from the, the fight calls beginning. Uh, yes. Doing their fight call, so we're going to sign off here. And <laughs> thank you for being with us, Peter Nocturne. Oh thank you for having me, and enjoy the show tonight. I will. I'm your host, Diana Brown, with our producer, Dan Wilson, and you've been listening to the studio interviews on the Radio Star Network. Bye. Bye.